Today we're beginning a new series that's going to take us through Christmas and we're going to be talking about joy. How many could use a little more Christmas joy? Maybe, or you, you know some people perhaps who could use some Christmas joy. And, uh, you know, I love this time of the year. How about you? I, I love the lights. I love the songs. I, I love uh, giving gifts, receiving gifts, the whole thing uh, about Christmas is awesome. Uh, I'm not like the lady who was out Christmas shopping and she had all these bags in her arms. She was trying to get on the elevator at the mall and there were already a bunch of people on there and so she was trying to get backed in and get all of her gifts in and the doors closed on her gifts and then opened up again and she got a little bit more squeezed in and finally the doors closed and she said, whoever came up with this whole Christmas idea, that I hang him up and shoot him. And somebody said, lady, they already got to him. And, uh, you know, Christmas is really not about the gifts and the packages and the trimmings and all that stuff, although I love all that. It's really about Jesus. And Jesus is about joy because they said, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Uh, You're going to have joy in this world because of the coming of Jesus. And so we're going to look this month at this topic of joy. And my hope is that your joy index will increase uh, during this season and that God will just use you even to spread more joy into other people by reaching them during this time of year. Let's turn to the book of Philippians today. If you have a Bible with you or you have a Bible on your device, you turn to the book of Philippians because it is known as the book of joy. Now, it's not really a book. It's a letter that Paul wrote, an early follower of Jesus. Now, he wasn't one of the disciples, but he became a disciple after the resurrection and after he encountered other Christians and had a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus himself in a supernatural way. And so he not only became a follower, a devoted follower, but he also began writing letters, starting churches, doing all these incredible things. And out of those letters, one of them called Philippians, uh, he wrote a lot about joy. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4. Let's read it. It says, Rejoice in the Lord. Not just sometimes, right? Not just part time, but all the time, every day, in any way, every way, joy, right? And just in case you missed it, I will say it again <laughs> rejoice. And so he is encouraging this church to rejoice, to have joy. Now, why would he do that? It's because they could have been tempted to not have joy, to be more jaded than joyful. And one of the reasons they could be more jaded than joyful is Paul is in prison when he's writing this. And so that's not good. How many know that's not good? And, and not only is he your leader that you look up to and he's imprisoned, but he's imprisoned not for really breaking the law. Uh, he's imprisoned for preaching the gospel, preaching the good news. Well, you want to do that too. You know, you, you've been touched by God and you want to do that so you may be next. So that doesn't sound like a 
a joyful experience. But then on top of that, we find that, and we see it in this writing in another part, that there were people who were teaching a false gospel, who were going around and spreading things that weren't true. Now, we don't have that in our culture today, do we? But, but back then, uh, there were people who preached a false gospel, who, who weren't telling it like it is. And Paul says, hey, don't listen to that. Uh, I'm teaching you the true gospel. I got it straight from him, and I heard it from the apostles, and I'm passing it on to you. Don't get caught up in false teaching. Don't get pulled away. Don't get sucked into something that's not true. And, And so that was going on. Then in addition to that, you know, there's situations and pressures from within. Uh, We find that there was uh, fighting that was going on. Actually, in this writing, uh, Paul addresses two women by name and says, break it up. Quit your fussing and your fighting and your whatever and, and get it worked out. And quit all that fussing around. And Epaphrodite, see, he talks about him in particular and how he struggled with sickness and illness and, and could have died and different. So there were all kinds of internal things that were going on. And I don't know where you are today, but you could have some reason to be more jaded than joyful. You know, for example, your garage door could have gone out this weekend. And now you, you get to go out today and shop for a new garage door opener, Merry Christmas, you know, <laughs> and watch some YouTube videos on how to install a garage door opener for those of us who aren't as handy as other people, you know, and, and I'm not saying that's me, but I'm just saying I, I could relate to to that happening this weekend. Maybe for you, though, it's it's breaking up with somebody. Maybe it's somebody you've lost this year, and there's going to be an empty seat that you're not accustomed to. Maybe uh, there's a financial loss that's happened. Maybe there's a job insecurity here at the end of the year, and, and some things like that. And those things can bring tension to our lives. Those things can bring Uh, struggles within to where we get a little more jaded than joyful. But Paul doesn't just suggest to have joy. You ready for this? He commands it. It's really what he's doing. He's not saying, hey, it'd be nice if you could be a little bit more joyful and get a little more joy. He's saying, be joyful. Be it. To which you might say, easy for you to say, and then you think, oh, yeah, you are in prison. And so it's not easy for you to say. But at the same time, how do you you do that? How do you just command people? That's like saying, be warm. You know, well, I need a coat, you know, or whatever. Or, Or you're hungry, and somebody says, be filled. And you're like, still hungry. Or somebody says, be smart. You know, does that work with your kids? (laughs) You know, no. You you can't just get smart. You can't just be smart. So, how can we be more joyful? 
How can we get there? If Paul's saying, hey, be joyful, then it must be possible that regardless of your circumstances, you can be joyful. It must be possible or he wouldn't say it. So how can we do it? How can we do it? I want to share with you today out of this text three ingredients of joy that we're going to see that Paul helps us to understand. The first one, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down because it'll help it to stick with you. The what of great joy. The what of great joy. And next to that, just write the word gentleness. Everybody say that word with me. Gentleness. Because Paul says, this is what joy, great joy, looks like. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And I've, I've just got to say that I think when people are joy-filled, you can tell it. Would you agree? That, that when people are full of joy, it just has a way of coming out. You know, it just has a way of expression. It's like it's on their countenance. In other words, you don't look like this guy looks. You know, a little RGF, right? You don't have that condition. And Paul says that this gentleness is evidence of the joy in your life. You have a gentle disposition. Listen, I've seen this. You've probably seen this with people who are dealing with all kinds of things going on in their life. And yet, they, they're nice. And they're pleasant. And they're kind. And they're gentle. And you think, well, I thought you had a whole bunch going on in your life. And, and then they do. But in spite of that, they're not controlled by it. Instead, they're controlled by joy in their lives. And so Paul encourages us here that you, you can be calm, you can be carefree, you can be content, you can be controlled. You, you can have this in your spirit, in your life, as you're going through life, regardless of what's going on, because of being filled with joy. So it comes into our lives and it looks like gentleness. But let's look at not only the what of great joy, but secondly, the why of great joy. Okay, the why of great joy. And if you want to write down a word next to that, write down this word, nearness. Say that with me, nearness. In other words, Paul begins to unfold for us the nearness of God. Look at the next part of this verse. He says, the Lord is near. This is how you can have joy in spite of your circumstances, in spite of your situations, because when you understand the why, then you can get to the what. And he says, you know, personally, you can know joy in your life and, and not feel a separation between you and God. Now, the Bible teaches us, and I think we've all experienced it at one point in time in our lives, that man gets separated from God because of sin in our lives. 
You know, Adam and Eve, he, he said to them, hey, don't eat of that tree. I, I give you all of these on the earth, but just the one, don't, don't do that because the day you eat it, you'll die. You'll, you'll be separated from me. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And you know this in your life. I've experienced it in my life. When I'm not in fellowship with God, there's a separation there that when sin gets involved in our lives, it separates us. It cuts us off. And, and the good news is, God knew that about you, and he knew it about me. And he didn't leave it up to you to get gooder and gooder. Right? Aren't you glad for that? Because the goodness that it takes to go to a perfect place is perfection. And how many have already jacked that up? You kind of already... That, uh, that's like over oh, a while back. And, and so God knew that about you and I. And so here's what he did. Here's what he did. He, he sent a perfect sacrifice. John, the, the Baptist, he said, when he saw Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God. He says, he's God's Lamb. He's going to take all the sin on him and die for it as a sacrifice for sin. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He died as a sacrifice on the cross for you and I so that we could be free of our sin and be brought back to God. In other words, God did something about your separation from him. And today, all you have to do is accept what he already did. Isn't that good news? That's good news. And, and here's how Paul describes it in Ephesians. He says, but now, today, in Christ Jesus, this may happen for somebody today just like it did in the first service, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that awesome? How many of you, you've been brought near? Yeah, you're, you're, you're close to God. You couldn't imagine it. You, you can't even imagine your life without him now because you have grown so close to him. The presence of God in your life is so awesome, so incredible that, that you just can't even imagine not being near to him today. But Paul's not maybe just talking about personal nearness, but perhaps he's also talking about the day of the Lord being near to us. In another writing, Paul says in Romans 13, he says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. He says, I'm closer to heaven now than I was back when I first got saved. Back when I first came to know the Lord, now I'm closer to God. James, the brother of Jesus, said this in chapter 5. He says, you too... Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. See, you just got to keep that in mind. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. All these writings are saying, hey, 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 don't get caught up. And, and hey, Craig, what about this? What, what about these bad people over here? That aren't getting what they deserve. That's not right. Hang on. It's not all over yet. All the accounts aren't settled yet. 
But there'll be a day when they will be. Hey, hey, Craig, what about these people over here? They're good people. They are awesome people. They're godly people. And, and they're having such hard times. And it seems like it's one hard time after another hard time after another. Where, what, what, what's up with that? What's up with that is it ain't over yet. Right? What's up with that is James says, your life, my life is like a vapor. It's like an aerosol can. You see the mist as it comes out, but then it's gone. And James says, that's like your life and mine. We see it. We see our physical life, and then it's gone. And, and you talk to old timers, right? And they say, man, life's fast. And you're five, and you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's slow, and it's never going to be Christmas, you know. And now it's like Christmas, New Year's, you know, it's like all in one day. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you know, and, and you're still writing 2018 for a month, you know, and, and, and things like that. I, I mean, so fast. And that's how life goes. And James knew that. And he tells us that's why you don't want to get focused on the mist. You don't want to get focused on the vapor. You want to realize that the real life is after this. And Jesus told this and taught this to his disciples in John chapter 16. Look at this. Here's what he said. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this and it's the, the, this that he was teaching. And so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no more? And then... After a little while, you will see me. Is that what you're asking? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to what? Joy. See, you may have some grieving. You may have some loss. You may have some hurt. You may have some things that have come your way. But I'm telling you, I'm coming back and when I come all the junk you've been through will be gone when Jesus appears right it'll it all fade away and, and here's what else he says a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come but when her baby is born she forgets the anguish because of her joy and, and the child is born into the world so with you now is your time of grief but I will see you again and you will what rejoice and no one will take away your joy you'll have a joy that nobody can take away from you and he relates it to pregnancy now I've never been pregnant thank God okay and how many know there'd be less babies in the world if men gave birth right yeah so God knew what he was doing uh, I've been in on the birthing process, though, uh, but my wife had C-section, and so my big deal was to walk in the room, right, the tail end, hold her hand, and then hold a baby. And so that was just pretty simple, and she was numbed up, and so she wasn't really feeling much of anything at that point. She felt quite a bit later. But uh, in pregnancy, you know, there's all these months of uncomfortableness and different things that go on, you know. And some of you, you've had ordeals with pregnancies and things like that. But then what they say is once that baby's born, you know, after the screaming, the hollering, the slapping, you know, I, I don't know what it was like. 
uh, you know, that might happen. I've heard stuff like that. But, but after all that, when you hear that, wah, 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 you know, it's like, oh, oh. And the baby comes over and put there, and oh, she awesome. And, and what they say is that a woman, like, forgets all that pain that she went through because now the baby is here, you know. And, and the same thing the Bible says. You may be going through some stuff. You may be going through some birth pangs. You're trying to give birth to a, uh, maybe a new business or maybe a new relationship and, and you're newly married or whatever, and there's struggles or you, maybe you're going through some other kind of situation in your life and it hurts and you've never hurt like this before and there's all kinds of pain but the Bible says hang on because when Jesus appears, when that day is birthed in full you will forget all about all the trouble that you've gone through. Isn't that awesome? And, and I was thinking about that this week, and I was thinking about how these military videos, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these, but let me show you one of them, or of someone coming home. Isn't that awesome? And here, here's what happened. There was such joy. There was such joy because daddy's home. And, and now everything will be right. Everything will be as it should be. And, and everything can just settle down because he's not absent anymore. And I'm telling you, friend, what Paul knew, what Peter knew, what James knew, what others knew, is that one day Jesus will appear. And when he comes back in all of his power and glory, on that day, everything will be set right. All justice will be handed out. Everything will fall into place. And the world will be turned right side up forever and forever. And so Paul says, hey, get a hold of that. Get that in your mind, the nearness of God. I, we used to sing a song when I was growing up in church that talked about uh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known how many can identify with that today 
When he is near, there's a joy like no one else can know. And then Paul goes on to talk about how great our joy can be, how, how we can get it, how we can have this joy in our lives. And if you want to write down a word next to that, write down prayerfulness. He talks about how prayerfulness will bring in the joy of God in our lives. So if you're here today and you say, oh man, Craig, you know, that peace, that joy and all, you're talking about, I got none of that. I got like none of that in my life. Well, Paul would say, then pray. Look at what he says in the next verse. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's what will happen. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you get your mess and you present your mess to God, God takes over the mess. How many know that? He takes over the anxiety, the, the heartache, the sorrow, everything. Paul says, just wrap it all up and take anything and everything to God. Cast all your cares upon him, Peter put it, and because he cares for you. He cares for you. And so when you begin to reflect on that, and you begin to think about his goodness, I don't know, some of us here, maybe we've got short-term memory problems, you know? We only remember like yesterday, but I don't know about you, but he wasn't there just yesterday, but he was there 20 years ago, and he was there 25 years ago, and some of you, you've been free from drugs now for 10 years because of the mighty power of God in your life. You've got a marriage that should not be together today, but it is because of the grace, the mercy, the power of God in your life. You have a business today that the only reason it exists is because of God. you got a promotion that you know you weren't smart enough, you weren't intelligent enough, you weren't the one enough to be able to get it, but somehow you were picked, you were chosen, somehow you're here in this room today, and you're alive, and you're filled with joy, you're filled with goodness, you're filled with blessings that you don't deserve, and it's all because of the mercy of God. How many are glad for His mercy? He's kept you, he's provided for you, and he says, you know, if you just get caught up in that, if you just get close to him, if you just get to praising him and thanking him, not just for now, not, not just where you are right now, but for where you've been, and, and for how God's kept you alive, and how God sustained you in your life, then, then as he gets near to you, and James put it this way, he said, if you'll come close to him, he'll come close to you. He'll come close to you. And as we reach out to him, as we get at his feet, you know, there was a story in the Bible, and we've talked about this story before, so maybe you remember it, about Mary and Martha. And Martha got all caught up in the mist right? She was a mister. You know, it was all about the here and now. 
It was all about, hey, we got to get the napkins to match. And I don't know where all the matching napkins are right now. So it is crisis mode. Everybody get busy. Look in all the cabinets, all the drawers, everything. Turn this house upside down until we get all the matching napkins because we cannot serve this dinner without matching napkins. How many are with me on that, right? You know. And we got to have all the right glassware, and we got to have all the right silverware. And, and, and what is this? It's not even polished up yet. Everybody get busy over here. I need some polishers over here. I need, come on, let's get this put together. And where is my sister? Where is my sister? There is my sister laying down at the feet of Jesus. What is up with that? And so she goes over. She doesn't talk to her sister. How many of you, when your brother, your sister was doing something, you didn't talk to them. You talked to your mom and dad. Straighten them out, you know. Tell them to give that back to me, you know, or whatever. And so she goes over to Jesus and she says, Hey, Jesus, we got this big dinner going. Look at my sister laying there. You need to tell her, get up, get herself in the kitchen. And you know what Jesus said? Martha, Martha. You worry about the things you can see. Mary's worried about the things she can't see. And I'm telling you, there'll come a day when you won't worry about matching napkins. There'll come a day when it won't be about the silverware being in the right spot and everything being just so-so and you got to work and do all this and get everything just right and fuss over this, fuss over that. And you're fussing over all kinds of stuff, Martha. But Mary has chosen the thing that's most important. And I think if Jesus could speak in this room today, he might call out some names and say, hey, Jane, Jane, or George, George, or Craig, Craig. You're worried about the mist when you should be worried about the master. You're worried about all these details when you should be worried about relaxing and letting me take care of the details you should be in my presence because in my presence is fullness of joy and at my right hand are pleasures forevermore and if you would just come a little closer you'd find I'd come a little closer and the closer I get the clearer I appear and the fuzzier all your problems get some of you today your problems are too clear and your savior is too fuzzy and what you need to do is begin to focus on the savior begin to focus on Jesus begin to focus on the reason for this time of the year and as you begin to do that as you draw near to him he will draw near to you and Paul says I can do it 
in a jail. I can do it in a sailboat. I can do it anywhere, anytime, any place. Because all I've got to do is just come into his presence with thanksgiving in my heart. And as I enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, as I'm thankful unto him, he inhabits the praise of his people. And he begins to fill my car. He begins to fill my house. He begins to fill this house today as we begin to lift our voice and praise him. I believe today he wants to draw near to some of you and reveal the power of his presence through the joy that he gives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in you there is joy. That makes no difference what we're going through. And Paul can relate to anybody here today. And Jesus who died on the cross, it says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. So God, we thank you that in the midst of our cross, in the midst of our jail, in the midst of our incarceration from our financial issues or our problems, our relational stress and things that go on in our lives, in the midst of that, there is a peace that transcends all understanding. And there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I don't want to get unfocused on Jesus during this time of the year. Instead, I want to be so dialed in, so focused on Him that it makes no difference what's going on, how long the lines are, or whatever else is going on in my life. It makes no difference. I want to just exude joy from my life. I want other people even to be able to see the reason for my joy, for them to understand that there's something on the inside of my life that's greater than that which is on the outside. If that's your prayer during this time of the year, you want to reveal Jesus to others, just raise your hand with mine right now and just say, yeah, that's That's my prayer. That's my desire. That's my hope. Father in heaven, you see every hand that's raised and all across this congregation, I pray that you'll help us to fill every school, every work environment, every home. God, some of us, we we live with people who aren't aren't saved. They're they're not born again. They've not found the reason for this time of the year. But we can draw them to you. As we draw close to you and we receive that joy in our lives and and it just exudes from our lives, then it becomes a witness to those around us. So God, use us at this time of the year to reveal Jesus to others. While we're still praying, there may be some, just like in the first service, that the reason for your lack of joy is a lack of Jesus in your life. If you were just to be totally honest and real today, that's really the root of it. And the reason is there's a disconnect between you and God. Just like I was talking earlier, there's, there's this disconnect. And you would not describe your life today as fully connected to God. And maybe the reason why you're here this morning is because God wants to make that connection with you. Maybe he's using me right now to say, today is the day. This is your time. This is your moment. God right now can start a new life in and through you. And you can know the joy that comes from a relationship with the living God who is alive today. And if you're here in this place and you want to either come back to God or come to him today for the first time, perhaps, and you'd like me to just 
just pray a prayer over you. I'm not going to ask you to move. Just raise your hand. And so if that's you, just raise it right now. Just raise it up and say, yeah, that's me. Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. Over here, God bless you. Over here, God bless you. Down here, God bless you. Over there, God bless you. All right, several hands around the room. About every section had at least a hand or more that have gone in the air. So church family, just pray this prayer with me. And especially those who raised your hand, just pray this prayer to God. I'm just going to lead out in a prayer. And you just use it as your prayer as we call on Him. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross for me. To pay for my sin. I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So please wash away my past. Free me of my guilt. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and setting me free from my past and on a new journey with you and accepting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, come on.